It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Happy game day, everybody, and welcome to Game Quest. It's a Vault Quest game day podcast. I'm Eric Kane alongside Grant Ramey. Appreciate you guys for tuning in every single Saturday throughout the regular season. And now it is time for the Citrus Bowl, Tennessee and Iowa, coming up at 1 o'clock on Monday from Camping World Stadium here in Orlando, Florida. We're going to preview that matchup from every single angle. It's got a lot of juice, got a lot of intrigue, and can't wait to do that here today at VaultQuest.com. Do want to give a quick reminder uh, here at the top that on January the 4th at Bridgestone Arena, it's going to be UT night. It's going to be Vols night as the Predators take on the uh, Calgary Flames. Again, January the 4th, Bridgestone Arena. You can buy UT night ticket packages at NashvillePredators.com slash college nights. And when you do, you're going to get a limited edition co-branded UT Preds hat so you can wear. So go ahead and check that out again on uh, January the 4th, Bridgestone Arena, the Flames against the Predators for UT night. All right, Grant Ramey, let's not bury the lead, man. This game, it kind of felt like, yeah, it was just, just something to do. It's like, okay, bowl practices, and then the game's going to happen. Then you can go on without the offseason, eight and four, you know, Joe Milton, all this. And then it's like, oh, well, Joe Milton's going to opt out in steps in Nico. And it feels like there's, you know, from a media perspective, from a fan perspective, feels like this game's going to have a whole lot more eyeballs on it now. Uh, it's a completely different game. I mean, it's a preview of what could be in 2024. It's a kind of a first glance at what Nico could be. It's something Tennessee fans have, you know, they're chanting for Nico in the second half of that Virginia game at Nissan Stadium in September, the season opener. I mean, they've been counting down to this moment since the day he committed in what was it, March 2022. So it's been yeah. forever that they've been waiting on it. It's been building up all season long. They want to see Nico here. They want to see Nico there. They want to see extended uh, drives for Nico time on the field, not just one or drive here, two drives there, whatever. Now you got four quarters against a really good Iowa defense, um, a really good test. Uh, there's a lot of guys kind of missing on this offense and this defense. It's always going to be a new look team in bowl season in the opt out and transfer portal era that it is. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely became a 100% different ball game when Joe opted out uh, and it became Nico time. Yeah, um, and you're you're exactly right. I mean, and Brent's written this a couple of times this week. We're in the era of bowl season to where it's about looking to the future. It's about you know playing youth and getting kind of a glimpse of what some of those young guys can do for you, or kind of get a glimpse of the next season. And so many guys have entered the transfer portal and have left, and they're not playing in this game, or you know opted out when looking at the NFL futures. And so you get an opportunity to not only see Nico, but you get an opportunity to get a good look at Cam Seldon at running back, to get a good look at Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews, Christian Conyer, Christian Harrison, John Slaughter in the defensive backfield. Uh, even more of a look at Jordan Thomas. And so, you know, that's that's really, really exciting. And I think that, you know, for Tennessee, it, it, as, as far as the guys in the secondary, I mean, what a game to open up with, right? You had Iowa that averages 90 yards through the air a game. And so... I mean, they're still on scholarship. You're going to have to be ready for them. But what an opportunity for them and really for Nico, too, because as we'll continue to talk about this defense, 
A lot of people are saying, well, look at who they play. Look at the opposing offenses that played against. I don't care. 13.2 points per game. It's pretty impressive. They've allowed 14 touchdowns all year. They've allowed four rushing touchdowns all year. And so it's going to be a really good test for Nico in his first start for Tennessee. It's almost kind of like it felt like Tennessee kind of went down the list of what Tennessee fans have been talking about for most of the season. They wanted to see Nico, more of Nico. They're going to see more of Nico. They're going to see yeah. a full game's worth. Uh, in the Citrus Bowl, they wanted to see more of uh, Dylan Sampson. He was kind of the second or third guy, depending on the game in the rotation. Obviously pretty productive with the touches he got. Now you're going to get him as the lead back, as the you know RB1. Cam Selden's a guy that we've heard a lot about and his athletic ability and all the stuff he did in high school. But all you really saw all through the season was a random kick return here or there or whatever. That's all you really saw was that special teams kind of specialist. And people wanted to see the younger guys in the secondary. Um, and now you get a chance to do that. It's not only one or two. It's, it felt like the almost the entire secondary, aside from Tank and uh, maybe Gabe Judy Lolly are in, a, in the portal or already gone or, or whatever. So here you go. You get more Nico. You get more Dylan Sampson. You get these young guys in the secondary. And it's going to be a tough test for that offense and the guys that are uh, having to fill in and step up and kind of make those debuts. Um, it does feel like in the secondary, though, uh, you, I guess you knock on wood if you're a Tennessee fan that all things go well and it's a good game for Tennessee's secondary to kind of break in and get a head start on 2024 because you don't want to be that defense, certainly, that gives up points against an Iowa offense that, uh, for better or for worse, every single Saturday, it seems like they're getting laughed at by college football fans on Twitter. Yeah, Um and and the best player on the team is the punter. And all jokes aside, he's he's a really good player. I mean, a really good player. And I, I've written this a couple of times, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast or whatever, but kind of a little sidebar. Um, Jackson Ross came from Pro Kick Academy um, in, in Australia, right? And that is where Tory Taylor, whatever the punter's name is for Iowa, I should know his name. He's really good. Tory, whatever. Um, he came from there as well. So they know each other. They're friends. Um, he's older than what Jackson Ross is. He'll be going on in the NFL after this game. But um, I, th- I thought that was an interesting connection or whatever. But he, he's a weapon. And, you know, D. Williams is going to have some opportunities to try to flip some field and, and try to alleviate some of that. So that's going to be a storyline in this game. But c- coming back to Nico here, you know, we've seen him play just so so little this season. He's appeared in four games, um, never taken a first-half snap. He's played 52 snaps overall, I believe. Um, he's done a nice job from what we've seen, but I really feel like we haven't seen enough to give us a, a, a clear picture on kind of where Nico is. Now that's going to change on Monday. And, and of course there's going to be overreaction. Don't get me wrong, but if Nico lights the world on fire, that's great. That doesn't mean he's winning a Heisman next year. If Nico goes out there and turns the ball over a couple of times, that's not great, but that doesn't mean that Nico's going to be a bus or Nico sucks or whatever. So I guess what I'm asking you, what are your expectations for Nico in this football game? Um, not really asking you to predict a stat line, but what are you expecting to see out of Nico Iamaliava? Because again, it's just it's such an unknown area right now because we haven't seen him play an awful lot. Plus, this defense he's going up against is pretty stout. Don't try to bring logic into this conversation, okay? Nico's either winning the Heisman in twenty twenty four or we're counting the receipts on in all that NIL money, and we're getting every dime of it back if he looks bad uh, against <laughs> Iowa uh, in Orlando. No, it's it's going to be. I don't expect a ton because I just don't expect this Iowa defense to give up a ton. And that's fine because I don't think Tennessee's going to have to score a ton to win this game because of that Iowa offense and the brand of football they play. And, and what, what I mean, people can say what they want about the Iowa defense. Either you're a fan of it or you're not. But they've, they've won 10 games with virtually no offense. 
yeah, which speaks to just how good this defense can be and how consistent, I guess, it's been in limiting other teams. And they've given up a lot of points to Michigan. They've given a lot of points to Penn State. Some of those teams uh, kind of rolled up on them a little bit. But I don't expect a ton from Nico. What I'm interested to see is what he looks like after that kind of always seems little samples of him, uh, one or two drives here, just a few plays. I'm interested to see that third and fourth drive. When, once you get past that, kind of the newness wears off and he kind of settles in a little bit. You get past the script, Grant, because I think he's going to look great right. on drives one and two of each half because those are, you know, depending on how long they go. I mean, a lot of those are scripted, right? Once you get off script, what does Nico look like? Right. I want to see what he looks like in that third and fourth drive compared to those first two. And if he sees the defense any different, he talked about that uh, this week after practice, his coaches have how he's kind of dug into learning about defenses and reading defenses and uh, how, how much better you have to do it, I guess, at this level than anything he's done in the past where he's relied on his talent. He's just re- relied on being better than other players in, co- in high school football. Now you got to be that much better to go to a different level. Uh, in college football. So I'm interested to see what he looks like more when he settles in and he has a few drives to adjust and, and kind of what he looks like in terms of what kind of progress he makes and I guess how comfortable he looks and just kind of how he settles in throughout the course of a game beyond just that that script and kind of that sample size. I mean, Brian Maurer looked really good his first drive against Georgia. You remember <laughs> that? I do remember that. So, I mean, but I mean, again, it's hard. You can't completely script things because, again, you're running tempo. And I mean, if you have a 10 play drive, I mean, you're not, you know, scripting 10 plays usually. So, um, it, but, but there, there are plans. Uh, you, you do know the first couple of plays that you're going to get. If, if you get a first down, you're going to attack this. And, and that's usually what you see on drives one and two. And then kind of from there, you, you, you just see kind of the game flow and, and, and what you got. So, I think everybody's intrigued to see Nico. I know I am. I know you are. I know VolQuest is. I know VolQuesters are. And, and I really think a lot of football fans around the country are. I mean, look at that class last year that was, you know, touted as one of the better quarterback classes that came out. I mean, a couple of those guys already leaving in the transfer portal. You know, Dante Moore, Malachi Nelson, got Arch Manning, of course. You got Nico. Jackson Arnold played the other night. He was a highly rated four star prospect in this class. You know, a couple others I'm not even mentioning. But we've seen a little bit of some of those quarterbacks. But, you know, this is really going to be the first time we see Nico. So, I don't know. I I feel like, and and tell me if you agree, I mean, I feel like non-Tennessee football fans, you know, if they're able, they're going to be tuned in to watch this game because it's just kind of the Nico effect. Everybody wants to see if the NIL was worth it, if the reported $8 or whatever it was is worth it. A lot of haters are going to be out there hate-watching, but I think a lot of people are going to be watching. Yeah, I think so because Nico was kind of that first kind of case study on NIL in the NIL era, I guess. Why is yeah. the number one overall player going to Tennessee uh, to play for Josh Heupel when Josh Heupel had only been on the job for however many months? It was still pretty new there. He hadn't had that. When Nico committed, it wasn't an 11 win Tennessee football team. It was leading into that fall, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think he committed the spring before that. So it, it, I think it turned a lot of heads when he committed. I think it turned even more heads when the number was reported by whoever, and I don't know how accurate it was or whatever the case may be, but people it got people's attention, and I think now people want to see him. They've waited just like everybody else is. And I think it's – for Tennessee fans, obviously there's there's interest, but so much more of it is just the next few years of the Josh Heupel era. Josh has done great stuff at Tennessee the first three years, 11 wins in 2022. He could have nine wins if they win Monday. Uh, against Iowa in year two, 20 wins over oh, – sorry, in year three. So 20 wins over a two-year span. It's pretty impressive. But now I think it turns to 
the next kind of steps in the hypo era is how special Nico is or how good he is or, or what he looks like as a quarterback, how quickly he can kind of reach his potential at this level, the sky high ceiling, it seems that's going to be extremely important for Josh Heupel because we've seen what the difference of, you know, that Hendon hooker, Josh Heupel marriage was perfect a match made in heaven. They couldn't quite get it right with Joe Milton this year and it didn't move as fast. You need to get back to that guy that can move this offense in the tempo, the speed, going as fast as they went in 2022 and 2021 for, for most of that season as well. So it's hugely important for, for Tennessee, I think. But it, I think there is interest outside of just Tennessee fans too. We will move on from Nico, although Nico is the big, biggest storyline in this football game. You know what I know, and that's why we kind of let off with it. Uh, who are some other young guys we're going to be looking after? Plus, what about Iowa? Who does Iowa have? Who should we watch it, be looking out for for Iowa? And how good is that defense? More on that here to come as we continue on with Game Quest. Do you want to quickly remind you once again about UT Night? It's going to be the Preds against the Flames. Bridgestone Arena, that's going to be on Thursday night, January the 4th. So later this week, January the 4th, Bridgestone Arena, Thursday, later this week. Again, it's going to be the Flames against the Preds. It's going to be UT Night, and uh, ticket packs for the night include a limited edition co-branded UT Preds hat for alum, students, and fans so you can show off your UT pride while cheering on the Preds. UT ticket packages can be purchased at NashvillePredators.com slash College Nights. All right. I uh, do want to get into our price pick section real quick. And um, it's uh, it's always a whole lot of fun. And, and I enjoy doing it. Price picks over PricePicks.com. An uh, instant deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit if you put in that promo code VQ. So that's, that's what you need to remember real quick. But also you need to remember that... You can win up to 25 times your money back this football and basketball season. How do you do that? Well, how do you play price picks? It's all about projections. Two to six players, and price picks will have the projections for their stat lines in this game, and all you do is pick more than or less than. You fill up your grid, again, between two to six player stat projections, more than or less than, and we're going to show you how to do it like we always do. We are experts selectors here on a uh, on price picks, and I know Grant Ramey loves to do it. If I can figure out how to share my screen real quick, just one sec. Oh, here we go. Present. All right. If you're watching on YouTube, this is what it looks like. As you can see, the price pick screen up here at the top, you got all these different sports, but we're going to go to college football and we're going to go down here to those semifinal playoff games that are, that are happening on Monday. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but things have changed, and so we're going to kind of revisit these. All right, Grant, let's go. These are rushing yards, okay? Let's go Blake Corum from Michigan against Alabama. 77 and a half rushing yards. You're going to go more than or less than 77 in the hook. More than. I think uh, Blake Corum's one of the best players on that. Michigan, really good Michigan football team. And if Michigan's going to be in that game. I think he needs to go for 100. But it's going to be tough because we saw that Alabama defense up close. It's hard to run against them. I think more than. Uh, I'm going 77 and a half because I just pick more on every single one of these. <laughs> and if you remember, Tennessee got over 100 yards rushing in that game, but it was Joe Milton. Tennessee's traditional right. run game, which was so good this year, really had no success at Alabama against the Tide. But quarterback-wise, and Joe Milton, he actually did. But Blake Corum, one of the best running backs in the country, Grant says more than, and that's how you do it. You select it right here. You click more than, and um, we'll find our next uh, selection. Speaking of quarterbacks who can run, Jalen Milrow, this is rushing yards against Michigan, 34 and a half. You're going to go more than or less than 34 in the hook. 
More than because that's not a very big number, and I think Jalen Milrow is a good runner. I think he's a good quarterback, and he's more than just a running quarterback. I think he's got a good deep ball, and, and he – sorry, Bill O'Brien, he deserves to be a quarterback and not play other positions. Um, yeah. But I think more than because it's the big stage, it's a big game, they need him to use his legs uh, to keep this offense going. Uh, if, if they're going to play well and win the football game, I think he needs to be more than 34-and-a-half rushing. Let's stay here with uh, with this game. Let's stay here on the rushing yards. J.J. McCarthy, quarterback, of course, he's not much of a runner, but this is why I think these are so interesting over price picks. The projection here for J.J. McCarthy is 15.5 rushing yards. Grant, all that takes, you know, minus a couple of sacks, you don't want to get a couple of sacks, but all that takes is one, you know, just rush up the middle and you get a quick 17 easily, right? That number's so low. So for J.J. McCarthy rushing yards, is it more than or less than 15 and a half? See, this is the okie doke where it's the smallest number possible on the board, and you're thinking I'm going to say more because I, I do agree that it could just be one broken play uh, yeah. and you get it done, barring sacks and, and lost yardage in sacks, tackles for loss. Uh, but give me less because I got to change up. I got to, I got to, uh, I can't go more all the time. I got to mix it up. Can't go more all the time. Plus, you got to remember as well, you know, sacks, you know, will hurt the quarterback's rushing yards. So, Obviously, if there's a couple of sacks, and that's going to take into account, too. Um, we'll go right back here to J.J. McCarthy. Michigan, primarily a running football team. Is J.J. McCarthy good enough to win Michigan in the national championship, at least to play for a national championship? Here in the semifinal game, Prospects has him projected at 188.5 passing yards against Alabama. You're going to go more than or less than for J.J. McCarthy passing at 188.5. I got to go more than because I just went less than 15 and a half uh, rushing. So if he's going to produce, it's going to be through the pass game. And, and he's got to produce for, for Michigan to be in this game. I think Michigan's going to show up. I think they're going to play well. I don't, I don't know if that means they win the football game, but uh, I think they're going to look like they belong. So let's do one more. Let's go to the nightcap here, the semifinal games, um, Texas and Washington. We did both passing yards for Michael Penix and Quinn Ewers last time we did price picks. Let's only look at Quinn Ewers. That number's gone down since last we talked. All right. That number now is sitting at 293 and a half. Quinn Ewers, is he going to do more than or less than 293 and a half passing yards? Do we have any idea what the number was before? I want to say it was like 303, man. I want to say it went down 10. Don't quote me on that, but like we did this show, what, two or three weeks ago? I feel like. Right. I feel like he was at like, they were both over 300. So I don't know, but I feel like it's gone down by 10 or 15. Somebody go back and clip the audio because I have no idea what I predicted on that. And I have no (laughs) idea what the number was previously. So I'm going to go less than, even though I might've three weeks ago gone more than, I don't even remember because I've slept since then. Less than. All right. So if you're watching on YouTube, all this is all it takes, right? Here's your two to six player stat projections. You pick more or less than, and then you place your entry and you watch your winnings roll in. Again, that's over pricepix.com. That's at pricepix.com, promo code VQ, pricepix.com slash VQ, an instant deposit match up to $100. Have a whole lot of fun for the rest of this bowl season, basketball season, and through the NFL at pricepix.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back in there to Game Quest, Tennessee and Iowa, squaring off in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl down here in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Grant Ramey, we talked a whole lot about Nico Iamaliava, obviously, in the first part of the podcast, but some more of those young freshmen, those young guys, we're going to see play an awful lot. Jalen Wright declaring for the NFL draft, opts out. Javari Small declaring for the NFL draft, opts out. Everybody wanted to see Dylan Sampson, like you mentioned earlier, right? Well, he's going to be RB1, but Cam Seldon is coming in. He's going to get a lot of run as well. And this is really intriguing more so than just a normal football game. Iowa's defense is really good. It's rush defense is top, you know, six or seven in the country. This is going to be a really big challenge for both Dylan Sampson and Cam Seldon because when Tennessee this season has been at its best, it's been running the football really efficiently. Everything we've seen from Dylan Sampson has pointed to give this dude more carries and give this dude more, get this the ball in this dude's hands in space, do whatever you got to do because he's been that productive. I mean, what was it, the UTSA game in back September where Jalen Rod didn't play a ton, uh, Jabari Small didn't play a ton. I can't remember if there was injuries involved there, what happened. They didn't have a ton of carries. And it became kind of the Dylan Sampson show, and he had like 11 for 139 or something no. like that. You go back to that Virginia game, the four touchdowns, he had three rushing, one receiving. Fourth like, quarter against just, Kentucky, he took over. Right, that, yes. Uh, that was probably one of the biggest kind of sequences of the season in terms of give the ball to this guy, and he's going to he's gonna melt the clock for you. And, I wrote about it, no big deal. Win. Yeah, I wrote about it, top moments. No big deal. Season. Listen, I've slept since then, as we covered in the prize picks uh, uh, segment. Um, and with Cam Selton, I'm really interested to see – you know, Joey Halsey talked about it Friday, how he's not just an athlete who's trying to get by on being a really good athlete. I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to run faster than you. It's more of reading defenses and reading the line of scrimmage and reading blockers and, and pressing blocks and leverage and all that stuff and kind of how much he looks like a true running back because he's going to be an extremely important piece in 2024 because you have Dylan Sampson, you love what you've seen from him, but you need running back depth and you need that number two. And we, we've seen this season and past seasons how much they rotate there and how much they can get production out of different guys, you're going to need more than just Dylan Sampson moving forward. And I think Cam Sillen's a very interesting piece, just as, you know, obviously Nico gets the headlines, but it's going to be very interesting to see what he looks like. And we haven't really seen him at all to this point, really, except for, you know, from some final series in the final couple minutes of, of 59-3 against UConn or whatever games like that. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he looks like. And you're old on the offensive line. At the time of this recording, again, you guys know things change a mile a minute, so – if it changes, I'm sure there'll be a threat on there bashing us, but it is what it is. You know, John Campbell, we'll see if he plays. I would I would I would assume that he's probably not gonna play in this game. Um still banged up, an ankle deal. Um, so that would be Gerald Mincy starting a left tackle. Dane Davis would be your right tackle. No Javante Spragans, that's gonna be Jackson Lampley. Cooper Mays will be back at center. You'll have Ollie Lane at left guard. So Sure, it's it's a it's a mixed bag on the offensive line, but it's still veteran players who know what's going on. You're not young there, if if, if you know what I'm saying. 
your younger receiver. Um, Dante Thornton's not playing in this game. Of course, Brew's not playing. You got Ramel Keaton. You've got Squirrel White. You've got Nimrod and Webb. And so you're really young on offense, um, more so than anything. So um, real quick, I want to get back to Tennessee in a moment, but you, you brought up the Friday press conferences and complete sidebar here. Um, we stayed for Iowa's you know, pressers, and they brought in, you know, offensive coordinator, captain, defensive coordinator, captain. As we all know, Brian Ferentz is going to be you know, essentially fired at the end of the season. It's it's a big hoopla up there. You know, Kirk did not fire him. Kirk did not want to fire him. The interim AD got advisement from the president of the university to essentially fire him. And it's been this whole weird, awkward thing. But he's, you know, this, this happened back in October. Coached the rest of the season, coaching the bowl game, and then he's going to ride off in the sunset, essentially. So... He is not, um, he was not scheduled to speak at the press conference. It was going to be the tight ends coach. Well, Bron Ferentz comes in, and apparently, this is the first time that he's been in front of media since all this has gone down. So, and I didn't know this, we're sitting there in the, the Iowa media are just peppering him with just questions about what's going on. It was so super awkward. And the player that was sitting there was just kind of like, uh, uh, uh what, what, what am I doing here? But I don't know, man, it was, it was a, um, it was a weird situation, but you might know more of this. Wasn't there like stipulations that had to be met? Like Bron Ferentz's offense had to score like 26 points a game or he was fired. I was thinking 25, but something in that neighborhood, they had to average 25, 26 something points a game. They put it in his contract. Uh, if not, he was going to be fired. I don't know what they averaged or how close it was, or if it even matters because, What's done is done, but yes, I did. Uh, I googled, I googled uh, his name, and, and the first thing that came up, and this was Friday, right after the press conference, was uh, Brian Ferentz breaks four months long silence and <laughs> meets with reporters or whatever. So that so sounds like I'm a very fun like, situation to deal with. I'm like, why are we asking them the, these questions repeatedly, over and over and over again? Like you guys have had all season long, and then I was like, okay, wait a minute, Eric, let's let's think about this. They probably haven't seen him. So that's why they're pepper because right. we would do the same thing. So it was really bizarre. Also, you said you didn't know what they averaged. I got him right here. Offensively, in 2023, there's good reason for his ousting. 16.6 points per game. Let's play Before a game, Grant. Close. Where does that rank? There's 130 FBS football teams. Where does that I... rank? Um, I think last based on what I Googled when Tennessee got matched up with Iowa, whatever it was a month ago, 127th out of 133, is that what you 133, 130, whatever it is, it's 127. Now this, these stats on my notepad are, you know, back from December the 4th or 5th, you know, a month ago, total offense, 238.8 yards on average of total offense. Grant, where does that rank in FBS football programs? I'm going last again. Is it last? Give me a last. That is dead $1, last. $1, Bob. $1, that is dead Bob. last. They're 127th in passing. They're 107th in rushing. It's just, it's abysmal. So you flip the you flip the complete opposite. You look at their defense. Fourth scoring defense in the country at 13.2 points per game. Fifth in total defense at allowing 274 yards per game. Ninth in passing defense at 172. 13th in rushing defense at 102. Uh, again, it's just, it's like the tail of two different ball clubs. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. I wanted to bring that up, but um, we mentioned Cam Selden, young guy. Let's flip the script over. Let's talk about that secondary. Um, Ricky Gibson, I'm excited to see him start and play, you know, more than a handful of snaps. I mean, I don't know if he'll play 70, 
But also, you know, you got Gabe Judy Lolly on one side, you got Ricky Gibson on the other. You're going to see Jordan Matthews. You're likely going to see Christian Conyer. You know, Jordan Matthews and Christian Conyer, we really haven't seen at all. We've seen a little bit of Ricky Gibson, but what an opportunity it is for those guys to go up against an offense that is not as explosive, especially not explosive through the air, going up against a quarterback in Deacon Hill, who, again, came in for an injured transfer that they got from Michigan in the offseason. He's completing 49% of his passes, five touchdowns, six interceptions on the year, and averaging 91 yards through the air. Again, it's kind of a lose-lose situation to where if Tennessee locks him down, well, duh, you're supposed to. If Tennessee doesn't, yikes. But what a great opportunity for these young guys going up against this passing attack. Is it bad when I hear great defense, no offense? I think of Tennessee basketball and the complaints I've, I've read over the last Nine years. I mean, it's not to that degree. Tennessee does have a basketball, does have a defense that would. That yeah, would, yeah. I mean, you, t- know, Grant, you would know more than me. Like even in those, even in those horrible years. I mean, they were still ranked what thirty six, thirty seventh in Ken Palm offense. I mean, that it was never uh, like sixtieth, but sixtieth okay. in the bad years. But but I and the funny thing is Iowa basketball, all offense, no defense. That's, that's <laughs> the funny contrast between basketball and football. It feels like, or it seems like to me, outside looking in at Iowa. Um, yeah, it's going to be – and you look at Iowa's offense, and traditionally what do they do when they do have success? They, they somehow churn out tight ends to the National Football League like crazy. So you'd assume – I know they're injured and they're, they're down a couple guys at tight end. They don't have everybody there. But you would assume they would still be able to do something with the tight ends because they've been so consistently productive, it feels like, over the last few years. So I think it's a great opportunity for these young DBs to settle in, to get that game experience. I think it's going to be a kind of a big game atmosphere a little bit it is a bowl game and they're just kind of mm-hmm. whatever these days it is what it is but it does feel like a big opportunity for a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball to settle in and to kind of get a head start and kind of you know get that newness off and, and kind of adjust and in game and, and get a lot of run and kind of just settle in and find a comfort on the field that you don't really want to be trying to find in august and september i mean start that now start that process now i think that's why Obviously, a nine and four season is a lot different than an eight and five season. You want to win this game, but it's just more than anything, it's a big opportunity for a lot of these guys to kind of get a head start on what twenty twenty four might look like. Yeah, no doubt. And um, you, you mentioned the injured tight ends. Yeah, they're down their top two tight ends who are really good. I mean, they're NFL tight ends, and they're they're not playing in this football game. So down to third, fourth, and fifth string. And as Aaron Beasley said, hey, they're going to run a lot of thirteen, a lot of twelve personnel. And, you know, for you football minds, that 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 means a lot of tight ends and only one running back. You know, so it's um it's Big Ten football, it's nineteen nineties SEC football. Um, it's what you grew up you know watching and loving, right? Nowadays, it's like Stone Age. You know, nobody does that, so right. it's going to be exciting. But the t- they're down their top two tight ends. Their cornerback Cooper DeJean is is going to be out. He's injured. Um, they don't really have any opt outs. They just have, and of course the quarterback, he's, um, I, I, Cade, Matt, what, what's his name? I forgot. McNamara. Yeah. Cade McNamara. Of course he got hurt, like in hey, game, Yahtzee. yeah, game five or whatever. So they don't really have any opt outs. They just have some injured guys. Um, certainly not dealing with the transfer situation like Tennessee is. So they're, they're about as full strength as they've been here lately. And so it's going to be a good test for Tennessee. Um, as we kind of end this show, man, um, w- w- what are you expecting in this football game? If Tennessee's going to win, 
Give me a couple keys of the game, and um, what are you what are you expecting to see here on a Monday afternoon in, in Orlando? I mean, keys to the game are Nico, Nico, Nico. Um, that's what everybody's going to be looking at. It's what everybody's going to be focused on. It's what is going to drive the Cincy offense. Obviously, they're going to have to run the ball, and they're going to have to be able to run the ball consistently and productively, and take some of the weight off of Nico because it's Nico and it's Chaz Nimrod and it's Caleb Webb, and you know, there's not a lot of there's obviously Squirrel Whites out there and Ravel Keaton and all that stuff, but you need to be able to run the football and lean on that to help your young quarterback settle into his first start. So obviously all the attention is going to be on Nico, uh, but that run game has to produce and has to do it consistently uh, to help this offense stay on the field because that's what we've seen has been a killer is those quick three and outs. It's three and outs mm-hmm. suck, but when you go a thousand miles an hour, like Josh Apple wants to go, it hurts even worse when you go three and out in 15 seconds. So stay on the field. Um, don't have your defense on the field the entire game defensively get off the field make this Iowa offense look like the Iowa offense that it's been for the 12 games this season I mean I don't know how many points since he's going to score to win this game but you don't want to be that defense that gives up a ton of yards a lot of points in context I guess uh, to Iowa Iowa's offense and, and the production or lack of production they've had this season man you know Iowa's been really good against the run again allowed only four rushing touchdowns all year long Tennessee's been a kind of kind of a mixed bag, right? You've had not good enough quarterback play throughout. You've had mediocre quarterback play. At times, you've had good quarterback play, but it's never been as consistent as you want. But Tennessee's always, for the most part, you know, top to bottom, been a good running football team this year. In games where you were lost, in games where you did lose, you couldn't run the football efficiently. Um, and, and that's my worry because you're down a starting right guard. You're down a starting left tackle. You're taking in your injured right tackle and flipping him to left tackle, which he's more comfortable with, but still, he's he's not 100%. Your NFL running back Jalen Wright is not playing in this game. A career 2,000-yard rusher Jabari Small is not playing in this game. So there's a lot of unknowns. I, that's not to say Tennessee can't run the football. I'm just saying that's what gives me a little bit of pause. Um I'm I'm excited to see how Tennessee runs the football against Iowa with this group um, because I still think it can be done, but it does give me a little bit of pause going into the game. So my keys, like yours, run the football, make it easy on your freshman quarterback. Um, he's gonna make mistakes. You know, for Nico, don't make the same mistake twice. If you make a bad read, don't make don't misread that again. If you you know make a poor throw, you know you're probably gonna make another poor throw, but don't put it in harm's way. If you do make a mistake, make it going full speed. Don't second guess yourself. I think this would be big for him as well to make plays off platform, throw out of the pocket, extend the plays. You know, we've barely seen Nico play, Grant, but when we've seen him play in the orange and white game, I believe it was Yukon game. There's been a couple other situations. He's made a couple really nice plays extending, getting out of the pocket and either running or throwing the ball downfield. Was it uh, was that Nico in the orange and white game going to the sideline that threw to Ethan Davis? Yes. Ethan Davis had that really good catch. I don't yeah. know if that was the play Ethan got hurt on in the spring, but that was a it really wasn't, good catch. It wasn't, but that was a beautiful about, play. Yeah, you talk about off-platform and, and throwing on the run. Yeah, and, and with Nico, I want him to let it rip. Like, don't be cautious. Don't be – don't tiptoe into this thing. Just let him go. Like, if, yeah. if you feel comfortable asking him to do the stuff you've been doing all season or the stuff that Josh Heupel has traditionally wanted to do – taking those deep shots that we've seen the last couple of years, just go at it. Like forget letting him settle in, just governor off and, and, and let him have fun out there. And he's going to make mistakes. So what he's going to get an opportunity to play through those mistakes. And that's going to be good for him as well. Um, but I, I say, let it rip with this kid. Let's see what he's got. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with you as well. Let, let it rip. It, it's easy to let it rip when you're running the football, though. So, you know, run the football. Defensively, um, ju- just get after it, right? I mean, just play your game. I, I, I completely agree. You don't want to be the team that's like, man, Iowa's defense is so bad. But that game against Tennessee, boy, I mean, Deacon right. Hill – he threw five touchdowns all year. He threw four in that game. You you don't want that. Um, you know, just get after it. Play a lot of guys up front. Get after the quarterback. I think you win those one-on-one battles on the edges. Um, we'll see if Omar Norman Law plays in this football game. At the time of this recording, I would I would say it's 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 unlikely. But again, things can change. Um, but you know, Tennessee's also going to be down Tyler Barron. But you got Amari Thomas, got James Pierce, got Joshua Josephs. I mean, you got to get a lot of guys that can get after it. Um, excited to see what these young guys do, but play your game, you know, be aggressive at times and, and don't be afraid to go play some man coverage because I think Tennessee can match up better in man against Iowa than you know, a lot of teams in the sec. So, um, I'm intrigued to see it, man. Um, what do you got? Give me a score prediction and give me a bowl prediction for the uh, citrus bowl. Uh, Tennessee 27, Iowa, uh, 12. I don't know how they get to 12. I don't know why I picked 12. Hopefully, so nobody else predicts it when we go to write these on the website, uh, even though <laughs> this recording comes out after the time that all those. But anyway, 27 to 12 um, predictions. Uh, Nico, 250 total yards, three total touchdowns. Does that math add up with my score? Yes, it does. Um, and uh, a Tank McCullough pick just for old time's sake. Start number yeah. 51. The old man gets to attack a tight end. Maybe he's coming downhill and picks one off. I don't know. I love that. I love that. Um, I've been thinking, so the uh, total, I believe, I don't have it in front of me right now, which is really bad. It was. Job. It opened at 36 and a half, I think. Yeah, and I think it was it's, tied think for the, it was tied for the lowest of any bowl game. <laughs> Shocker. I think, you know, Tennessee overall is scoring. Now, it did lead the nation in scoring in total offense last year. But it's down 16 points per game to where it was last year, and then you're playing Iowa. Um, let's say it's still at 36 and a half. Maybe it went down a little bit because Nico's playing. I don't know, but say it's still at 36 and a half. I think Tennessee. I'm taking the under here in this game. I really am. We don't like unders, but I'm taking the under. I've been thinking 21 to 24, like Tennessee score either 24 or 21. So I'll go 21 to. 13. So I'll go 21 to 13. I just think that you're not going to see an abundance of points, but you don't need to see an abundance of points to win this football game. Uh, just so many unknowns with it at running back and a quarterback and on the offensive line a little bit. There's a lot of unknowns that where I think it's not going to look great, but I think it's going to be good enough and something to build on. And, and hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Tennessee goes out and scores 45. Give me 21 to 13 Tennessee wins. Give me Cam Seldon scoring two touchdowns. This is going to be the Cam Seldon, you know, w- welcome welcome to the show party, all right? Um, he is a bigger body going up against a tough, big front seven, big 10 front seven. I think that this kind of is his game, kind of his, his fit of a game, if that makes sense. Give me Cam Seldon, two rushing touchdowns, and I'm not going to lie, you took my take McCullough. I was going to give the senior a nod there. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Give me Aaron Beasley playing like the Aaron Beasley of earlier in the season. Give me Aaron Beasley 10-plus tackles on defense in his final game in the Orange and White. Orange Bowl Aaron Beasley. 
Something about Aaron Beasley playing bowl games in Florida. He's yeah, productive. a couple sacks, like eleven tackles. Oh yeah, he was he was incredible. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that we're all a little bit more excited for the. I mean, anytime you get to watch football, especially this one, this is the last football game we get that cover and watch. You know, for another year, or so we we're looking forward to it. But you know, with with the with the opt outs, with the opportunity for these young guys, and of course with Nico Iamaliava. Um, it's appointment television, and uh, I think I think we're both really excited to see what happens. I've got a hot take. Are you ready for it? Oh, please. Cheez-Its? I don't get the hype. What's going on there? Are you a fan? Sorry, Cheez-Its. I'm not trying to offend. I'm sure you put on a great bowl game, but just never been a fan. I can't tell you the last time I had a Cheez-It. So, like, it's not like they're bad. I just, I don't buy them. I don't really eat them. Now, see... My, now, my kids eat them, and my wife eats them, so we give our money to Cheez-Its. So don't get okay. mad at me, Cheez-Its people, that I'm sure are listening to this podcast. I just uh, – I don't know. Like the Outback Bowl 20-whatever year that was, Northwestern, Raymond James Stadium, you go in New Year's Day uh, a couple hours before kickoff. They've got prime rib up there. They've got a bunch of Outback food just laid out. If I get in this press box today and there's Cheez-Its everywhere, it's bad news for me. You know that's going to happen. There's going to be Cheez-Its everywhere. I know. I'm setting and there's probably going to be, and which leads me to the next point. There's probably going to be some leftover pop tarts. I don't buy pop tarts either. No, no. But, I'm on the other side with pop tart bowl. But I do love pop tarts. I just never buy them. I don't really eat them. I, I don't. I don't eat a lot of breakfast. Um, I love pop tarts. Uh, big fan of pop tarts. So if there are pop tarts in the uh, in, in the press box, remember Camping World Stadium. You know, it's the same place as the pop tart bowl, which is the former bowl uh, bowl name of you know what was the pop tart bowl used to be known as. Champ Sports Bowl way back in the day when Champ Sports was a thing? We think it was the GoDaddy. We talked about it earlier today. We think it was the GoDaddy.com Bowl. I think it was originally the Champs. It was the Champ Sports Bowl at one time, I think, because okay, I mean, yeah, you might Orlando. be right. You might be right. Back when there were stores and malls and people left their house to shop and stuff like that. That was a good store, <laughs> Champs, back in the day. Who does that? I'm about to buy you a microphone by you know not leaving the house. You know, who, who does That's that true. anymore? All right. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of listen, fun. I got... I've got another controversial take on Pop-Tarts. You don't toast them, you microwave them. Like five seconds. Boom. It's, really? I've, I've told people this. It's got a it's got an intense reaction. People don't like it. There's a lot of vitriol when you tell them you microwave your Pop-Tarts. It's great. Just well, it. you you obviously know that we, we, we had a Pop-Tart night at Lindsey Nelson during one of the midweek games this past season. And, I do um, remember. You know, me, Ben, me, Ben, Mike, and, and Noah, and Ryan, and um, and Troy, and Sean, you know, a bunch of Sean, a bunch of us. And, um, you know, we're just sitting here and we're tasting and we're categorizing and we're seeing which ones come out, you know, the best love strawberry was never a big fan of the s'mores, but honestly, the s'mores was not half bad. I'll tell you what's really good. And I haven't had it since the cinnamon. Cinnamon. Yes. Cinnamon better than the s'mores. S'mores gets all the hype. I saw some strawberry slander during the Pop Tart Bowl on my Twitter feed, X feed, oh, not, whatever. Not right here. I, I love me no, some strawberry. Not not from you. I'm looking at you, Joe Rexroad. Specifically, I remember seeing a tweet from him about strawberry slander. B- it's bougie Joe. Yeah, strawberry is the classic. People people got to relax. Strawberry is the classic. It's not overhyped. It's, it's just the standard. The standard is the standard, as yes. Mike Tomlin says and Tim Banks says and everybody else says. That's the standard. Soon to be Tennessee Titans head coach. Mike Tomlin. No, uh, I can only wish. Um, yeah, Bougie Joe does not surprise me whatsoever that uh, that he doesn't like the standard in Pop-Tarts. All right, we will see if we get Pop-Tarts. We'll get some cheeses, but more importantly, we'll see what Nico Iamaliava looks like for Tennessee. Kickoff's going to be at 1 o'clock. We've got so much coverage all day long 
right here at VolQuest.com. During the game, we got the game thread. Come hang out with us. Um, nobody will lose their lose their temper. Nobody will have unrealistic expectations. It's it's cool, calm, collective group of people. Uh, come hang out with us and uh, stay with us through post game uh, coverage as well over here at VolQuest.com. Final football game here for this football season, and we'll talk about it all. Tennessee and Iowa Citrus Bowl over at VolQuest.com. Big thanks for joining us here on the Game Quest Podcast. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.